Welcome, welcome. Got some Will Smith in the house. Little Miami. How's everyone's week going so far? Drop in the chat. Your biggest win three days in. I'll start with mine. I'm four for four. Writing up a storm. And I'm running kind of a cool experiment where basically everything I'm writing about, I'm letting the audience decide based on the questions they ask on the day I wrote today. So pretty much every single thing I'm going to write about over the next 30 days is going to be decided by one reader each day. And so I'm already three or four days ahead because I'm in a nice writing flow and had a bunch of questions on like two or three tweets uh, over the weekend. And I'm, I got seven or eight days already ready to rock. So see if I make it all 30. I think I'm going to have fun. That's- that's the writing with your audience, not for your audience. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do like a deep dive on it of all the original or all the questions that sparked the next day and like keep track of them. Mm, because, that's great. you know, so it's going to tie into some things we talk about today with uh, the endless idea generator, because the thing with the EIG is it always leads to me having a ton of ideas, but then all it really does is let me have one day all i need is one day to write about and then i have endless ideas right because you write one day the audience is going to ask you a question you're going to respond to that question the flywheel keeps spinning so uh let's see big wins big wins twitter impressions plus fifteen thousand. that's pretty good scott adams retweet that's awesome nice job connor uh what else three for three four for four good stuff everyone what are you using to keep track i do my writing in the drafts app very simply i have an idea log simple note it's basically apple notes like the same thing what else we got uh thinking about doing the same thing once i get questions cool good stuff katie i think it'll work cool you turn it down a smidge yeah all right we got 10 seconds and then we're getting going because we got a lot to get through today all right 10 9 8 7 6 5 okay let's kick it off Let's do it. Kick it off. Ready to rock. All right. A couple quick logistics. Keep building out your social blog. I'm seeing a lot of awesome people. Four for four. Keep collecting badges. All that good stuff. Keep it up. Our next live session is Friday at 12. Headlines crash course. That's a good one too, but I'm very excited for today's uh, endless idea generator. And as always, keep sharing your learnings in public. Yeah. Badge leaderboard. 23% have all eight badges. Amazing job to those 23%. If you think you're supposed to be on there today, you might be missing the rapid fire badge. So if you, if you got seven, it means you haven't opted in to meet someone new this week, go ahead and do that. And then you'll be on Friday slides. Um, Always a quick turnaround with the Tuesday badge. So make sure you you claim your uh, rapid fire on Monday and we'll go through all these names, take a screenshot. Good stuff. Everyone. Amazing job. We got a lot of badges claimed. Let's keep it rolling. The habits that are formed in that first week, they really set the tone for the whole rest of the cohort. So if you can, drill it home now. Yep. All right. Keep clicking through, Cole. Let everyone see it. Good job, everyone. Amazing. Amazing. I saw a lot of three for threes in the chat. It's good. 
feeling strong. Look at those badges. It's a good looking list. Good stuff. Uh, if you're one rapid fire behind, <laughs> gotta be faster. Gotta be faster. All right. Couple quick shipper shout outs. Cool. So love seeing this doesn't always happen, but sometimes right out the gate, you write something that just crushes right away. Love to see it. If it hasn't happened for you, don't worry. Every time you write, you're spinning the lottery wheel. All right. It's just another chance. One weekend, and only cycled through confident imposter, confident two or three times. I think we all know what this cycle feels like. You know, I know I've been at this for 10 years. I still wake up some mornings and go, oh man, this is a whole new topic. I don't know if I can write about that. So this is all part of the journey. Okay. You're just constantly confronting new fears and challenges, but always pushing forward progress over perfection result from first post three personal intros. This is the serendipity of writing on the internet. You never know who you will meet. You never know who will reach out to you. You have no idea who's reading your writing huge benefit in just publishing in public. First essay got almost 4,000 impressions. That is amazing. Get, you know, uh, Leah here, 35 new followers, you know, get some early excitement there in the beginning. That always feels good. You know, I mean, it's, it's always great to know that people are reading your stuff, but like I said, it doesn't happen right away for everyone. Um, every time you hit publish, you're spinning the wheel one more time. So just think about it like that. The more you publish, the more chances you get. That's right. All right. Quick look at the calendar. We're on Tuesday, uh, April 26th. And if you see the finish line, we're getting closer every single day. Keep writing. Keep who's, who's using the calendar, checking off your X's. Oh, mine's on my other desk right now, but I got a big X over each of my days. Things are going well. And as always, keep up with your badges. Today, you will unlock the Idea Generator badge, I think. Idea Pro, something like that. What's it called? Um, the Idea Machine. That's right. So after this live session, you'll unlock the Idea Machine. And then you got two more days to get all caught up before Friday's live session and make it on the leaderboard. Now we're moving quick. Moving quick. All right. And to claim your badge today, all you have to do is comment on the replay with one new topic idea you have. We know you'll have way more than just one, but that's all you got to do to claim this one. And the deep dive that's paired with this is really cool. Dickie, this is your, you went through and show people how to use the endless idea generator to generate a ton of topics. Exactly. So this endless idea generator is my personal way of using it. We know sometimes we're going to throw, this is a lot that EIG has a lot of different components, but once you see someone else use it, sometimes it clicks. And so I did a deep dive on how I use it. I used it four days ago to get started for this cohort and uh, it works really well. So go give that a read. If you leave this session, like, oh, I just want to see someone use this. Um, I've heard that is extremely helpful. So, yeah. And it makes a lot more sense after we walk through uh, what we're going to walk through today. So that's what we're going to dig into the endless idea generator. Okay. So the goal of today's session, you're going to learn how to use this endless idea generator. We'll see how many times we can say that it's a tongue twister. Then we're going to brainstorm eight new topic ideas using the EIG. Uh, so encourage you throughout this session. If you're, if you find your wheels starting to spin, which they probably will, you know, write them down, jot them in your notepad, use a, a digital word process or whatever you're feeling. And then in the breakout rooms, then you can go through and kind of workshop your ideas with other shippers as well. The EIG can't stress this enough is something that Dickie and I still use this. Okay. So this is not just a, Hey, here's a beginner thing. 
every time I sit down to write, some part of my brain is working through the EIG. So we're going to walk you through this massive equation, all right? And we're going to give this to you first, and then we're going to break apart how each of these pieces works. And then we're going to go back to it at the end and go, okay, now that you understand all of the pieces, let's look at how this all works together, okay? So the EIG is think of it as one big equation of how to never run out of things to talk about. And you start with the topic, and then you move into the credibility, and then you choose your path. And then within one of these four paths, actionable, analytical, aspirational, or anthropological, you have a handful of different ways that you can execute that and organize that information for the reader. Okay. So at first, this is going to feel very formulaic. You know, it's going to feel like, okay, I go through this step, then I go through this step, this step, then this step. But once you start to practice it, you will find yourself coming up with ideas at breakneck speed because you see how it's all interconnected. You understand, okay, if I pick this topic, I know I need this credibility and that credibility is best suited for this path. And if I pick this path, then I'm going to want to organize it like this. And that's the skill you're really practicing. Yeah, I use the EIG on Saturday and uh, have, it's over there, but 50 ideas that I'm kind of working through. But like I said, and we'll talk about it at the end, it's all about just getting one day of ideas out there. And from there, you just start writing and you keep going. So this is one of my favorite sessions. And once you see this, it's really going to start to click. So let's get into it. Yep. The more you write, the more you write. Okay. So the more you write, the more new ideas you're going to come up with. So let's break this down and start at the very beginning. The three big components of the EIG are the topic. So what it is that you're writing about, which we're going to talk a lot about in terms of using specificity to gain clarity around the topic, the credibility, why should the reader trust you? And then the path and the approach. So it's, okay, I, I know what I want to write about and I know what makes me credible, but how do I organize this information in a way where the reader then can follow me, right? Because that's what writing is all about. Writing is the reader never feels lost. The reader knows where you're taking them. Okay. So the very first thing is the topic. And the big mistake here that writers make is you ask someone, you know, I go, Hey, Dickie, what do you want to write about? And day one, Dickie goes, I want to write about money or I want to write about health or I want to write about relationships. And all of a sudden the person thinks, well, okay, this is the thing I want to write about, but where do I start, right? How am I supposed to write about money? The problem is that a vague term, when you, when you pick a vague topic, it's very difficult to understand what you're actually writing about. You need to be more specific, right? Are we talking about investing money? Are we talking about saving money? Are we talking about how to rob a bank and steal money, right? That, those are very different pieces, and so you need to be specific to yourself first of what exactly are you saying? So specificity is the secret here. When you pick what you're writing about, you have to be specific. And we're going to walk through the different ways you get specific, and it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable to start. You feel like you're cutting readers out, but don't worry. We're going to kind of walk you through step-by-step step how to think about that. Yep. So... Here's the first big question, right? Someone goes, okay, I kind of understand that in theory, but what if I'm not 100% sure what I want to write about, okay? 
So this is where this, the easiest place to start. And this is universal for every type of writer, but it is very easy to see for, for people, especially if you're new to writing in SHIP 30, okay? And we call it the two-year test. And what that means is that you are looking for topics that are things that you've learned or you've experienced or you've gone through in the past two years. And you're looking to explain those things, those learnings, pass along those teachings, share those experiences, tell those stories to the version of you two years ago. So Dickie, maybe you want to expand a bit on how you started to do this, because this was really how you grew a lot. So the two-year test to me is getting over probably the most uncomfortable part of writing, which is you end up having to share things that are painfully obvious to you now that didn't used to be and are extremely valuable to other people. And so when people sit down to start writing, they say, I don't think I have anything worth writing about. And the two-year test helps you unlock those topics. So all it is is a simple reflection where you sit down and say, over the last two years, what skills have I built? What struggles have I had? Hobbies have I picked up? Problems have I overcome? And you realize you have a ton of experience that is now ingrained in everything you do. And that is exactly what you want to start writing about. So the two-year test is basically, okay, let's get a big brain dump out there of all the things I could go and write about that I have experience doing and bring those top of mind. Because when you go about your daily life, you know, whether you've picked up a new hobby or you operate in a certain way, like you just do it and you take for granted how cool that is for someone who's never experienced it. And the way to think about it is the version of yourself two years ago, if they had all the information and knowledge that you have right now would love it. And that's who you're going to end up writing to. Yeah. And so here's, you know, everything that we pass along, we, we eat our own dog food too. So here's a perfect example. Two years ago, Dickie, could you explain to someone how to launch, market, and run a cohort-based course? No. <laughs> no. Two years later, can you explain how to launch, market, and run a cohort-based course? Yes. And I would do anything to be able to learn from current day me two years ago. Exactly. And so that, that is the point is every time that you experience something, every time you learn something, every time you go through something, you have to remember that the version of you before you learned that wants the information you now have. So the opportunity is for you to do something in your life, go learn it, go experience it, and then turn around and give it to the version of yourself two years ago. And the version of yourself two years ago will pay you money will give you attention, will give you time in order to have the knowledge and experience that you have now. That's it. That's like the big secret. So people who think I can't start writing until I become Tony Robbins. I can't be a thought leader until I become Oprah. I can't X, Y, Z until I become. No, 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 no. The, the thing that you're looking for is not in front of you. The thing you're looking for is behind you right? You already did the thing. Now you just have to turn around and give it to your former self. And here's the thing about the scale of the internet is there are millions of people who had the ex exact same problems that you had two years ago. And when you put your solutions on the internet in the form of writing, it's going to find them. And that's the unlock to have is that by sharing things that are valuable to your two years ago self, 
you're going to build an audience of all the individuals who have that same problem that you used to have and have solved over the last two years. Yes. Right. So here are some examples on the left-hand side, became a vegan, started exercising, you graduated college, you lost money in crypto. All of these things don't have any filter when you talk about your experiences, when you do this kind of two-year test brain dump, right? Just get it all out there because you don't know all the things you could write about that could be extremely valuable until you do this kind of brain dump. Yep. And that's, that's the other interesting thing about this is you don't, a lot, or a lot of times the credibility piece is not that you achieved something, it's that you experienced something, right? Because if you have an experience, people want to learn from your experience, right? It's like you go to a dinner party and you, you say to someone, oh, I'm thinking about buying my first house. And some random person you just met said, oh, I just bought my first house, right? They're, they don't have to be like some real estate mogul. You just go, I'm about to do the thing that you just did. Can you tell me about it? And they're like, oh, sure. You know, I had to go through it. Here's what the loan process was like. Here's all the documents I had to sign. Like th these were the questions that I had. These were the mistakes I made. And all of a sudden you're learning from this random person who literally is two steps ahead of you. They're not some big fancy, I accomplished everything. They're not some big guru. They're literally just another person. And that, that's the big unlock here is that it's not about achieving something and then, and then your credibility being, I'm some big fancy public figure. Your credibility is that you did it. You went through it. You experienced it. Now share that to your former self. Yeah, to drive this home, I saw this really cool example of there was this guy who was convicted of fraud in like a bunch of different things, you know, faking being a security guard, faking being a bunch of things. But one of them, he was a fake college professor. Somehow he worked his way into a college sociology department and taught an entire year sociology that he had no business teaching. And people asked them, they said, how did you convince your students that, you know, you were credible enough to teach this class if you've never written? He said, all I had to do was read one chapter ahead of them and then share <laughs> it on the whiteboard. And that he taught an entire year's worth of lectures, just reading one head, one step ahead. And that's where you need to see yourself on your writing journey is all the people that are just one step behind you. Those are the ones you can start sharing with. Yes. So the two-year test is an extremely helpful way of just getting the ball rolling and realizing that you have way more to write about than you think. Okay. So let's start beginning of EIG. What do you want to write about? Let's throw in the chat. And then what we're going to do from here is we're going to show you how to add specificity, but let's start with, if you sit down and you go, I want to write, what's a topic that you want to write about? All right. Let's see what shows up impact investing tech stress. This is great. You can totally see how specificity is going to accelerate mm -hmm. all of this. Mm-hmm. Personal okay, finance, psychology, storytelling, pop culture, writing a novel, leadership, beauty and wellness, procrastination. Yes. Awesome. Keep it up. Okay. Money so mindset. Here's, here's a great example. All right. So, so uh, Alex puts book writing, right? So someone sits down and goes, I want to write about how to write a book. Okay. The problem when you start that big, right? Is think about all the things that go into writing a book. You've got, is it nonfiction or fiction? 
What are the characters? What's the plot line? What are the main points? How are you going to organize it? How many chapters do you need? How many words is it going to be? What's the title? What's the subtitle? What, like, we could keep going. There is 200 different choices within that I want to write about how to write a book, right? And so the bigger you start with, the bigger of a topic you say, I want to write about, the more complicated it is for you to figure out, well, what am I actually saying? In this one section, I have 250 words. What am I going to say? Right? Because you started really big. It's the same thing when someone says, I want to write about communication, or I want to write about product strategy, or I want to write about entrepreneurship. It's too big, right? There's like hundreds of subtopics underneath that word. So we need to make it more specific. Okay. So how you add specificity is you go, okay, I picked my broad topic. Any one of the words that were just typed in the chat, beauty and wellness, education, public speaking, life design, wellness, uh, strength training, right? Just pick any big word. And the next step is to add specificity based on the two-year test. Okay. So how do you get more and more specific based on your own individual experiences? And so here, how you get more specific is there's at least seven different ways you can niche down. There's probably more, but these are the easy ones to conceptualize. Okay. So how do you get more and more specific by price, by problem, industry, location, situation, experience, or demographic, where you are the best person to listen to on that topic? That's the goal. Right. So let's take the example you said earlier about writing about starting a cohort-based course, right? Who I would be writing for is how to start a cohort-based course with a small audience and no experience. Bang. That's it. And you That's can who it I'd even, be writing for. I could you can take even, it even further because you started it while working a full-time job, right? On a topic that you were just starting to learn, right? So there's all these different things that you experience that you can use to get more and more specific about this is this is exactly what I'm trying to say. And that level of specificity is what unlocks opportunity, right? If I said how to start a cohort-based course versus how to start a cohort-based course on the side using only Twitter, that is going to sell way more and be way more interesting and resonate way heavier with people who read it versus just some content marketing Zapier post about how to start a course, right? Yeah. Those are, that's the difference here. You, you unlock a new level of resonance when you add that specificity. So this is really the goal and it's, it's very counterintuitive. Okay. Everyone thinks in order to reach more readers, I need to be vague. I need to be broad. I need to, I need to create something for everyone, but there's a great copywriting adage says you write something for everyone, you end up writing something for no one, okay? And so your goal is you pick a topic and then you go through one of these seven ways to niche down and you keep going further and further and further, right? So by price, you know, what are the best ways to start investing is more broad than what are the best ways to start investing with $1,000 or less, right? That specificity is what makes the reader go, oh, that's my problem. I want to start investing, but I only have $850, right? That's what makes them drawn to your content. 
right? Or by problem. You don't say, here's how to focus. You say, here's how to focus as someone who struggles with ADHD, right? It's that specificity that makes you go, that's me. That is for me. And so this there's this counterintuitive aspect of writing where you, you don't want to create something for everyone. What you want is you want to create something for one very specific person. And then what the internet does is the internet goes, I'm going to use social algorithms to find all of the people that fit that criteria. That's your goal. So here's a perfect example. All the people on this call right now, we ship 30 for 30 is not join this course and you will become a better person, right? It's not for everyone. You say, join this call, join this course, and you will learn how to start writing on the internet. Not start writing, start writing on the internet, right? So the specificity is what pulls you in. And I think all you want to do when you're niching down is actively think, I hope someone that this doesn't apply to sees my topics and moves on, right? I, if, for example, best ways to start investing with $850, I hope millionaires don't read this. You are actively cutting out readers by getting specific. And that's the goal that if you can get to the other side of that discomfort, it's writing takes care of itself. If you can simply get to that other side of discomfort of dang this by definition, when I add this level of specificity, fewer people are going to resonate with this. That's where all the, all the benefits lie on the other side of that discomfort. Yeah. And that's, and, and there's some, you know, obviously very easy ways to see that, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't create a uh, sixth grade mathematics curriculum for third graders, right? Those are different audiences, right? And so sometimes taking, a, taking an example like that metaphorically and asking yourself, okay, well, you know, I wouldn't explain very broad writing advice to Nobel prize winners right? If you're talking to Nobel prize winners, you got to be very specific about, well, here's all the things they already know. Let me tell them something different, right? Which is very, that's a whole different thing than saying, Hey, you're a total beginner and you've never published anything on the internet before. I have to meet you somewhere else. So the specificity is it's not a marketing gimmick. Like that's, that I think is the most important thing. We're not saying, Hey, if you pick the right words here, then magically, you know, everyone on the internet reads your writing. That's not what we're saying. We're saying for you, when you sit down to write, it's very hard for you to know what am I writing about if you aren't specific. If, if you sit down and go, I'm going to write about productivity, what the hell are you going to write about? Right. But if you get more specific and you say, I'm going to write about how to be more productive for the first five minutes of every day, and here's my five minute routine, all of a sudden the writing's really simple. Here's the things I do in those first five minutes, right? So this, it's not about doing a gimmick and getting people's attention. It's about you making the, the decision in yourself and then understanding and having full clarity around what it is you're trying to say. And when you have full clarity around what you're trying to say, the reader then goes, I understand what you're trying to say, and I'm going to give you my attention. But wait, Cole. But wait, no way 
anyone is going to read my stuff if I get that specific, right? Everyone wants the big audience. I want to write about life. Okay, it's not going to work. So how do we get more specific? So take the topic, whatever you just typed in the chat five minutes ago, take the topic, put that first, draw a line, and then get more specific. So if you say, I want to write about product design, how can you niche down? I want to write about product design for first-time product designers, or I want to write about product design for college graduates who graduated with a degree in product design, right? How can you get more specific? So let's see what people say. Writing a book while working full-time, boom, investing boom. for beginners. So that could go another level further, right? Investing for beginners with X amount of money or in X age, right? Because it's going to be a completely different investing strategy if they're a beginner investor when they're 40 or when they're 20, right? Or if they're a single mom or a you know college graduate, right? Whatever the difference, all of these, you can always add a little bit more. Productivity for side job entrepreneurs, better. Career change for first-time moms. Bang. Perfect. Yes. How what to else? practice self-care on a tight budget. Perfect, right? Mm -hmm. How do I take care of myself if I'm Cole six years ago living in a studio apartment with no air conditioning downtown Chicago? Tell me, please, right? You know who you're talking to. Self-improvement for people under 20 years old. Amazing. Journaling for busy executive leaders. That could e even get more specific, right? Executive leaders in which industry or executive marketing leaders or, you know, the more and more you twist that lever a little bit until it's uncomfortable and then go one level further. Or morning journaling or evening journaling mm. or lunchtime journaling or travel journaling, right? Mm -hmm. Every time you add a modifier word, you're getting more and more specific. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll do one more. How to reconnect with your teen as a busy parent. That's way different than reconnect with your whatever, like not toddler, but between toddler and teen, whatever that is, you know, versus a, as a single mom or all these different little, little levers you can pull life reboots after 55. There you go. So all of these are great examples of how the more specific you can be about the person, the experience, the problem right? What are, what are they going through? When you name that, that person looks at your writing and goes, you custom made that for me, right? It's the difference between going to a big department store and getting a, I just bought a large t-shirt and going to a suit shop and getting a custom tailored suit or dress, right? It feels like it's for you. That's your goal. Self-improvement for entrepreneurs entrepreneurial minded college students. Connor, awesome. There you go. I think I saw earlier you said self-improvement and that's a great little addition right there. All right, let's keep it rolling. Okay. So all of this has to do with the topic, right? So before you even get into the credibility or the path, the approach, the organization of the writing, you need to take a second to go, what exactly am I saying? Let me get more specific. The more specific you get, the easier it is to then understand the next few pieces, okay? So it's really important that you get the most out of the EIG when you start with something that is hyper-specific, okay? Because then you take that hyper-specificity 
and you combine it with credibility. And so the credibility barbell here is either it's your own personal credibility. So you go, I experienced this. I went through this. I know what I'm talking about. Or it's borrowed credibility. You say, I didn't do this, but I went out and I found all the people that did do that. Okay. And both work. So here's, let's just build through this whole example. And we'll do this on the fly that investing your first $1,000, there's two types of people who could write about that. The first is someone who has only $1,000 and wants to learn how to do it. And it's going to share their journey. So they're going to borrow a bunch of credibility and go out and say, Hey, I'm no investing expert, but I went and researched 10 billionaires and their advice on how to invest your first $1,000. Here's what I found. So you are borrowing credibility from these billionaires and saying, hey, I'm no expert, but here's what they're saying. Or you say, during my two-year test, I look back and said, hey, over the last two years, I learned how to invest with just $1,000. I made a bunch of mistakes. I wasted a ton of time on these things. Here's three things I wish I knew. You're going to have expert credibility because you have solved that exact problem. So I just want to present those two different ways of thinking because you don't have to necessarily be an expert in something to write about it. You can say, hey, I want to learn about this as I go, and I'm going to go learn from a bunch of experts as I do it. Or you can say, hey, I got all the experience here. I'm writing for my own personal credibility. I'm the expert. Here's what I did. And when you think about those two things, you're able to really expand the number of topics you want to write about. Yeah, and the, and the big you know, the, I think the secret here is most people think it's a choice. You know, I have, I have to be one or the other, but the reality is there's a lot of benefit in doing both, not both at the same time, but alternating and saying, I'm going to share some of my own thinking and experiences and frameworks, and I'm going to borrow other people's thinking experiences and frameworks, and I'm going to curate them. Okay. So in terms of credibility, right? So there's some different examples here. You can go broad. This is, this is not as good, right? Broad productivity advice. Well, I don't know that it's for me, right? There's no clarity or specificity. You niche down by adding specificity, productivity advice for middle market SaaS project managers, okay? And now this makes sense if you are a middle market SaaS project manager, Right, Because where you're niching down is you're saying, hey, I'm speaking to this type of person because I'm that type of person, or I was that type of person. Right, So you're using your own personal credibility. The flip side is then is talking about some other framework, and you're, you might not be the expert. You, know? you, you weren't the one who created the Eisenhower matrix. You, know? you weren't the, the thinker that designed this radical breakthrough. So you're going to go out and you're going to curate other credible people's thoughts and insights and perspectives and stories. And the reason the reader's interested is because they're interested in that credibility. You just did the hard work of rounding it all up. So I can speak to the next slide here because this kind of drives the point home, right? So think about the Eisenhower matrix, right? It's this general popular productivity thing. If you were a beginner writer and you came out and said, hey, I'm going to write about the Eisenhower matrix. Every person would go to your profile and say, why am I going to listen to you? Right? You have zero real credibility. You don't have a huge following, whatever it is. You're not the James Clear of productivity advice or whoever the biggest writer is. But 
if you said how middle market SaaS project managers can use the Eisenhower matrix, and you are a middle market SaaS project manager, every person who comes across that, that that resonates with is going to read it, right? So that's using your personal credibility. And that's a way to take a broad topic and say, here's my expert credibility because I'm an expert. Now, the next slide is a little bit different. Say you really want to write about productivity advice because you want to start to better understand it. What you then do is say, hey, 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 I'm no productivity expert. But I went and looked at these 10 billionaires talk about the Eisenhower matrix. And here's what they have to think about. It. Here's everything they had to say about it. And here's what I learned during that journey, right? You can see I'm writing about the same exact topic, but both whether I say I'm a middle market project manager or talk about the billionaires, someone's actually going to read that versus you just say, hey, here's the Eisenhower matrix. No one's going to read it, right? So because if someone comes across, this is really the, the insight of borrowing credibility. You can be the very first post you've ever written in your entire life. And if it's, here's how Elon Musk uses the Eisenhower matrix to make decisions, it doesn't matter if you've never written anything before. People are going to read that, yep. right? Because Elon Musk has a ton of credibility. And that's how you can borrow it in the beginning without getting that specific. So I just like to present those different sides because it's the exact path I took on my writing journey. At the very beginning, I had no clue other than how to build a daily writing habit, right? So we have a couple examples here, Cole, if you want to flip. What I did was I came out and said, hey, I'm no expert here, but I'm going to go read and study all of the most prolific writers that I can find. The Gary Halberts, Eugene Schwartz, Tim Ferriss, all these people and go and find their expertise and say, hey, I'm just on an exploration here and I'm sharing what I learned. And, uh, and, but Cole, on the other hand, right, Cole, you can speak to this one on personal credibility. Yeah, it's the same. This is what's so interesting is you can see them side by side and it's oftentimes it could be the same idea. It's just either coming from someone who experienced it or someone else who said, I did the hard work of finding someone who experienced it. Right. So notice here on this topic, I have a lot of personal credibility. I've been ghostwriting for four years. I've ghostwritten for all hundreds of these different startup founders and executives and investors. Okay, here are the templates I use. Now, what's interesting is Dickie could very easily go, are you interested in ghostwriting? I went out and I found the 10 most prolific ghostwriters on Twitter. And then maybe he uses me as one of the examples, right? So either you can be the one who says, I'm teaching, I'm sharing from my own personal experience, or you're the one who said, I'm not that, but I went out and I rounded up all the experts, or I dug deep into one of the experts. And I saw this drop in the chat, and I think it's important to kind of address. If you feel like an imposter when you're writing about something, you haven't gotten specific enough, or you're not borrowing enough credibility. So there's really only two ways you can feel and have imposter syndrome. One, you can escape it completely by adding so much specificity that you are the only expert on earth in that, right? You can't be an imposter if you're writing about something that you are a pure expert in. Or you can just take all hands off and say, hey, I'm not the expert here, but I went and found all the ones who are and I distilled it better than everyone else. That's why you should read what I'm writing. And there's huge benefit in doing both, like we said. So here, 
Dickie was the one who curated and I was the one who created off of personal credibility. And here it's flipped. Dickie goes, hey, personal credibility. I spent over 500 hours studying these legendary authors and I distilled them into six simple frameworks. Here are the frameworks, right? And I said, hey, borrowed credibility. Here's another writer that I find really interesting. I'm going to go tell you their story. Right. So there's a huge benefit in alternating back and forth. And I think oftentimes writers think either I need to be the guru or I need to be the curator. And really, you can use both to share what you know and also help share what other people know that's relevant to your category or to your niche. It's really a, a, once you recognize you can do either of these things and the smart choice is to do both of them, it unlocks a lot. So drop in the chat which type of credibility do you find yourself leaning towards, right? And I'll share it from exactly how I'm thinking about things right now. I spent a year and a half doing pretty much nothing but borrowing credibility. And now I can name and claim some of my own writing frameworks like the two-year test, right? Because I have experience and credibility and I've helped people learn. Now, when Cole and I go and start writing about starting a cohort-based course, I'm going to write that 100% from personal credibility. I will not curate a single other expert because I'm going to share everything that I have learned over the last two years. Yeah. So the so one I see big, a good breakdown. Go ahead. Yeah. The one big thing to remember is, you know, when we talk about alternating both is not doing both at the same exact time, right? It's that's a little bit more advanced and a little more complicated. It's a lot easier for you to think, am I sharing this from my own experience or am I curating someone else's experience and doing both, but alternating? They're different pieces. They're different types of things. All right, let's keep it rolling. Okay. So we've got the topic, we get more specific, and that specificity leads us to the credibility. Now with that credibility, we have to kind of make a decision, you know, which direction do we want to take? Because what people don't often think about is if you say, I want to write about money or I want to write about investing money, even if you get more specific, or I want to write about investing money for a certain demographic, there's still a lot of different ways of executing that. You know? And so the, the four A paths that we, that we lay out for writers is, are you going to make it actionable? Are you going to teach the reader how to do something? Are you going to make it analytical where you say, hey, I'm writing about investing money, for example, but I'm going to pull out some insights and it's kind of more of a thinking piece than anything. Is it aspirational? Is it, Hey, I did it. You can too. more motivation, less how to, or is it more anthropological? Is it a, this is the real reason this happens. You know, here's the psychology behind it. And this is what's so fascinating is that when you sit down to write, it's not just that you're picking a topic. It's that you have to make a decision on what is the value to the reader. Is it how to I'm learning? Is it that's really interesting, analytical? Is that motivating, aspirational? Or is it like, oh, I've never thought about it that way before, anthropological, right? And you have to pick what is the value for the reader. And if you don't know, if you're like, I don't know if I'm teaching or if I'm motivating, that's a problem. Because then the reader doesn't know. The reader's like, I want to spend my time with you but I don't know if I'm here to learn or if I'm here to just have my mind, you know, tickled for a second because it's really interesting or if I'm here to be inspired, right? What's the trade? 
All right. So a couple quick things on the beauty of the 4A framework that I experience every day is the first is Ship 30 makes you a better writer, but these frameworks really make you a better reader as well. Once you start to see the 4A framework, every time you read something, you're going to run it through the lens of, hey, which path is this taking? Which one of the four A's is this? And it's going to make you more intentional as a reader, which is also going to help your writing. The second thing is the beauty of the 4A is you can build an entire career talking about one topic with one level of specificity with one of the 4A paths, right? And so just to drive this point home, if you look at this example right here, big, broad topic, money, here are four different examples using the four A's on each of them. You could say, I'm going to teach you how to be rich. I'm Ramit Sethi. It's tactics. It's actionable. I'm going to show you how it's done. Or you could be Ray Dalio and say, hey, I studied 5,000 years of financial trends. Here they all are in one book, right? The new world order, talking about where things are heading and how things are going. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, one of the best books ever, by the way, if you've never read that, is all about Robert Kiyosaki's story, how he had two people in his life, one that taught him poorly about money, one that taught him a lot, and how he learned along the way. And then one of the newest ones, the psychology of money, right? So this is one topic, money. And these guys have built their entire career talking about one path on the four A's, and that's all they do. So just wanted to kind of break this down because once you see it, it's, whoa, I like psychology, but I actually like tactical psychology, how to apply it in your everyday life versus, mm -hmm. hey, here's how my entire story of studying psychology and everything it's helped me done, do, right? So let's dig into a couple of these, but yeah, go and ahead. The, and the big, the big mistake I just want to point out here is if you sit down and you start writing and you find yourself saying, well, it's a little actionable, but it's also a little analytical. And, you know, sometimes I'm motivating you and I'm explaining why you know what? It's for everybody. The moment you do that, you need to stop. That's the mistake. The mistake is not, this is for everyone. Okay. The mistake is I need to make this for one person, right? So if, if you walk up to a third grader who wants to learn about money, the third grader is going to be very honest with you and be like, are you going to teach me? Or are you going to motivate me? Right? You got to think like that. Like, who is this for? And what is the value? What is the trade? Are you teaching? Is it just you're sharing an insight? Are you entertaining and motivating? Are you explaining why? Okay, so let's go through each of these. Actionable, very easy to understand. Here's how. How to. Steps to do X, Y, Z. Right? Anything actionable is I am going to walk you incrementally from A to B or A, B, C, right? So if you pick this path, then all of a sudden the organization of the writing becomes very easy, right? Because you know, I'm going to teach you how to do X. Well, here's the tips that I want to give you, or here's the tools that I recommend, or here's the steps you need to go through, or here's the framework. If you follow from A to B to C to D, that's how you get there, right? So if you go, I have my topic and I have my credibility. Now I know I want to teach something. It's going to be actionable. Then you already know how you're going to organize the piece. Step one, step two, step three, right? So this is where it all starts to come together, where once you have clarity on which direction you're going, all of a sudden the outline 
just kind of flows because you're like, I know that I need to teach the reader. Everyone can write actionable pieces. You have something in your head that shows someone step-by-step who doesn't know how to do X thing, how to do it. And so I, I love writing these. These are my go-to. I I write mostly actionable pieces of how to do something because I know it works. I know other people have never heard of it. Bang. I help create that bridge. And to the, to the two year test point, I would say 90% of my Twitter content is, Hey, I'm going to explain to you how to do something. And by the way, I just learned how to do it two hours ago. (laughs) That's the whole game, right? It's not, I'm going to explain this from my high up, you know, my mountaintop. And I've been up here for my whole life. It's like, Hey, I didn't know how to do X. I went and researched it for a couple hours. I'm going to turn right around and give it to my former self three hours ago. The way to think about it is picture yourself in elementary school, right? If you were a second grader, you didn't want to learn from the eighth graders. They had nothing to teach you. They were basically different human being, like just a completely different species. They were adults, right? The coolest people on earth were the third graders. All you wanted to do was figure out what they were learning, what they were doing with the extra 10 minutes of recess, what the new math problems were in that level. Like that's all you wanted to do was think about all the things that the third graders were doing that you couldn't do. And on the internet, we're kind of all third graders. We have a group of second graders we can start teaching. We just had to find them. Yeah. So actionable is a great place to start. Most people pick actionable as step one because it's, a, it's kind of the easiest to conceptualize. The second is more analytical. This is where you're looking at you know one data point or, or a bunch of disparate data points and you're going, I'm going to extract an insight. Okay, so things that are analytical, you're like, here's some interesting trends to pay attention to, or here's a couple big numbers that'll blow your mind, right? Elon Musk buying Twitter, right? Elon Musk buys Twitter for whatever it was, 44 billion. And what does that mean? Let's extract some insights. Let's analyze what just happened, right? Here's some examples of things that are happening. Right here's swipe files. Oh, you're trying to understand this this data point. You're trying to understand this insight. Let me give you a bunch of resources for it. So analytical is like numbers and extracting insights from those numbers. Right. That's why Ray Dalio goes and writes a 400 page book about. I just studied you know all the macroeconomic headwinds and tailwinds for the past five thousand years. Here's where the world is going. This is really, you have an insight or a way of thinking and you want to show it to the reader. You want to explain it with numbers, back it up with data. If you're into that, these are really fun pieces to write where it's like, hey, I analyzed this landing page. Here are six reasons why it worked, right? Or like you said with Elon Musk, hey, Elon Musk just bought Twitter. I went and looked at the last eight corporate takeovers. Here's how they all fared, right? Different pieces like that where you're analyzing some kind of trend. Yep. So that's analytical. Analytical is a little bit harder. Typically something writers do more of a little bit further down the road. Aspirational, I would say, is right up there with uh, actionable. Aspirational is the other most common path, right? It's the classic, I did it, so you can too, right? Or I want to do it. I went and found all the people that did. Okay, so aspirational is here are the lessons I learned. Here are the mistakes I made. Here are the reflections I came to, you know, here are the personal stories that I experienced, right? You're really, you're the organization of your thing is here's what I went through. Here are the mistakes I made. Here's the conclusions I came to. 
right? And so you can see it's very similar to if actionable is step one, step two, step three. Aspirational is like, here's the experience, here's the mistake, here's the conclusion, right? And you can just kind of see the flow is very similar. So a lot of people start with either actionable or aspirational. Yeah, if you write stories, if you enjoy storytelling, if you've been through something really cool that you want to share, aspirational is the place to start. I really think advice to past self is months or years worth of content where you pick a broad topic and say, hey, I'm just going to start writing to myself two years ago, all the things I wish I knew then on every single topic. And what's going to happen if you take that path is someone's going to read it and ask you five questions like, oh, what about this thing and this thing and this thing? And boom, then you have days worth of ideas just like that. Yep. So aspirational. I wanted to quit my nine to five and I eventually did to do the thing that I loved. Here are the three lessons I learned in the process, right? What's your outline? Lesson one, lesson two, lesson three. Okay. Anthropological. This is the here's why this is the thinking. This is the non-obvious. I got to sit and soak in this for a little bit, right? It's usually something counterintuitive. Okay, so anything anthropological, think of it as the, here's the underlying reason why, right? Here are the fears that are holding you back, or here are the failures that you're trying to avoid. Here are the struggles. Here's the emotions. Here's, here's everything that is happening beneath the surface, okay? And the here's why, if you notice, books that are anthropological are almost always tilted towards psychology, right? It's like, here's why we are the way we are. And anthropological, the, what it actually means is human nature, right? Study of humans. And so this here's why is it's digging a layer deeper, right? So the way to think about this is I could say, I just broke down this landing page. Here are all the conversion numbers. And that would be analytical, but then anthropological would be, I just broke down this landing page. Here's why those conversion numbers happened. Like here's the human nature they're speaking to on each of these levels, right? So it's digging a l- little layer deeper and saying, here's what it looks like on the surface, but here's why it's really happened. Yep. And so this, this is a great point. So uh, Boris in the chat says, I'm not very good at writing anthropologically. That's okay. And the fact that you know that is a good thing, right? Is that most writers, remember we, we showed this, this slide to, be, to begin with, right? Most writers, they can make an entire career off doing one path, right? You don't have to master all four paths. You go, you know what? I am not good at writing anthropological content, but I am really good at explaining how to. Actionable is just a home run for me, right? Or if you notice, sometimes there's writers uh, like the book um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I know a lot of people who love that book. I can't get into it. It's because the book is aspirational. It's not actionable. And I like reading more actionable books than I do aspirational books. So when a reader goes, oh, you got to read Big Magic, what they're really saying is, if you love aspirational content, this aspirational content is going to speak to you. But if you don't like aspirational content, it doesn't matter how many copies of the book uh, got sold. You don't want to read it, right? So that's the thing is you have to pick and choose which path do you want to get better at. But wait, but wait, combine these paths, Cole. Yes. 
So the answer is yes, you can, you can, right? You can combine actionable and analytical. You can say, hey, I studied hundred landing pages. Here's why each one works. Oh, and here's also a step-by-step -step guide for you to 10X your conversion, right? Aspirational and anthropological. I used to have a horrible relationship with money. Here's how, how to, how I fixed it. And you can too, right? So you can make combinations, but it's a lot easier to start by just going, I'm going to pick one. Okay. So the more that you can just get really clear on, I'm good at explaining things, or I'm good at ex extracting insights, or I'm good at motivating and inspiring, or I'm good at articulating why, right? That you want to, you want to gain clarity around that choice for yourself. All righty. Let's recap. Actually, no, drop in the chat first. Which path do you find yourself gravitating towards? Actionable, analytical, anthropological, aspirational. What's so cool about this framework is it's almost always a 25% breakdown across the board. Everyone wants to write about something different. It's all, you know, everyone resonates with a different way. And that's why we introduce this because sometimes it can feel like, oh, I write a certain way. There's no way that other people do too. So you can see this right here is there's a ton, right? I just saw something that was only actionable in the very next chat was not actionable, <laughs> which is so cool to see. Actionable, aspirational, anthropological. Great. Cool. All right. Nice. Why don't we recap? Okay. So we just covered a lot. All right. So let's go back through. We had the topic with specificity. We had the credibility, and then we had one of the four A's, and then the different ways of organizing the content depending on which path you pick, okay? So then you go through and ask yourself, all right, well, what's my two-year test? What's something that I experienced or I learned that my two-year-ago self would benefit from hearing? That's who you're writing for. You're writing for the version of yourself that lived and existed two years ago, two months ago, two days ago, two hours ago, right? Me two hours ago is a different human. I've learned a lot in the past two hours. So how can I share that knowledge to my former self, right? And then you take that and you go, okay, now how do I get more specific? How do I niche down? How do I make it very clear that I am speaking to a, to a certain person that is experiencing this problem or is part of this demographic or is in this certain location or is in this specific situation, right? And that specificity then gets combined with your credibility. Is this personal credibility or is it borrowed credibility, right? Are you speaking from personal experience or are you borrowing someone else's experience? Okay. And then you take that and you go, okay, now what is it? Am I teaching? Am I analyzing? Am I inspiring? Or am, am I articulating why? You pick one of the four paths and then you go, all right, let's put it all together. This is the EIG in its fullest form. And we encourage you to take a screenshot of this. You know, you have the slides, you have the recording, you can go back through and use it as often as you'd like. Like I said, Dickie and I use this all the time. And it's because it forces this level of thinking where by the time that you go through the EIG, it'll take you five minutes, right? Once you go through the EIG, you know exactly what you're writing, who you're writing for, and why it matters. 
And if you can reach that level of clarity before you start writing, the writing takes care of itself. But now imagine if you didn't go through the EIG and you're staring at a blank page and your cursor's blinking, it's going to be very challenging to know what you're going to write about. Now, I want to leave you with one piece of parting advice as you dig into the EIG. Do not let the fact that you're going to have a lot more ideas to write about paralyze you from starting to write. Just because you have a long list of things, it turns into a new problem of which one of these am I going to write about? And I, this is 95% a reminder to myself that when I have this long list of ideas, I get in my head of like, oh no, which one am I going to pick? And so if you read the deep dive or you don't even have to read the deep dive because I'll tell it to you here, all you need is one day's worth of ideas because I guarantee that after you write that, 10 more ideas are going to come to mind or someone is going to ask a question and you're going to have your next day's idea. So use the IG to get the creative juices flowing, but then don't let it turn into how am I going to organize this big list of ideas I have? I need this perfect setup. No, you need one day's worth of ideas and you need to write today. And then you do it the next day and the next day and the next day. And that's going to continue to compound. And so just keep that in mind as you go through this exercise. Don't let the fact that you then have this big long list paralyze you from actually getting started in writing. Yeah. So Let's hear real quick, golden nugget from today. What was most helpful? The two-year test framework, the specificity framework, different types of credibility, or the four A's? What, what, what do you find yourself thinking about walking away with the most? Yeah, a lot of two-year tests. That's always a fun framework. I've heard from people that we could teach the entire course just on this framework. And I think we probably will one day. Just yep. introducing the EIG somewhere. Because I, I really think there's something to the, the amount of creativity, confidence it unlocks is, is awesome. So, and everyone's got a little bit of a different one. Yep. Awesome. It's always fun for us to see too. So that way we know what, what frameworks to double down on, uh, what we can improve, right? We're doing the same thing. We talk about practicing in public. We're practicing in public here in front of you. We use that feedback and keep iterating. That's what we're encouraging you to do with your readers as well. Amazing. All right, let's do some breakout rooms. So you're going to put the EIG into practice. Go through, brainstorm some topics, brainstorm some ways to add specificity, figure out which path you want to explore, and come up with just one idea. All you got to do to claim today's badge is reply to the live session with one idea you come up with. Do that and you'll claim your badge. We're going to hop into breakout rooms, groups of five or six, give it about 30 minutes. And um, I saw in the chat there, it'd be helpful to see us use the EIG. Go read the deep dive. After this, go read the deep dive. You'll see me do it handwritten in my journal um, in a big, long breakdown. And you can see that in the replayable link to it. So let's jump into some breakout rooms. We'll do this. We'll see you in 25, 30 minutes, and then we'll chat a little bit after.